too? Once or twice? Yeah, me too. Once or twice every millisecond. Every day of my life, every hour of my life. Let's turn to Revelation 22, if you would, verse 12 through verses 14. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? What a privilege it is for us to be gathered together under the auspices of the precious presence of the Lord Jesus. How we thank Him today. We're so grateful that we have, uh, by the grace of God, been given to us the light of the age. I started reading my Bible whenever I was just a little boy. My grandmother gave me a Bible, which I still have, and she said, I want to, I hope I'm alive when I hear you preach your first sermon. Well, I was 12 years old, so that wasn't very likely. It was going to be very soon. So I've been reading my Bible for many, many, many years. Since I'm 63, you can do the math on that. Whenever I was in Pentecost, I never... Uh, read commentaries. I never read other preachers' books or encyclopedias or things like that. So the only thing I read was the Bible. One way I was known in Pentecost was my memory because I could quote so much scripture whenever I preached. And anybody would think that within itself would illuminate you. But I was as blind as I could be. Yeah. So you see, you can quote the Bible. You can memorize the Bible. Right? And still not understand it. Until the light of God shines upon that word. Now I still have that same Bible. I've still got the Bible that I preached in, in Pentecost for all those years. And I kept it for a specific reason because I would mark it up. And I like to go back and I read a church age book or Feast of the Trumpets or something like that and, re and read the same sermon some years later. Because as I do, I see how my revelation is enhanced and enlightened as you go. And you thank God that His grace opens His Word to us. That's right. Don't you appreciate it? Now, I quote from the very same Bible. have committed much of it to my memory. I don't fill my mind with a lot of trash and nonsense. I like to save that sacred spot in my memory bank for the Word and the quotes and stuff like that. Stuff that benefits you, you know. But it's amazing that God would allow you to read a book and then all of a sudden He just opens your understanding. I love him for that. And oh yeah, just in case you're wondering, I still love my Bible since I come to the message. As a matter of fact, I love it now more than I ever loved it in my life. You know the reason? I understand it better. It makes more sense to me. The message to me did not come to take away my Bible. It come to make my Bible more clear. Amen. Well, whoever that was for, there you go. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may enter, notice this now, they may have right to the tree of life, and they may enter through the gates into the city. Now for a few moments we want to contrast on the place that we are of versus the place that we are in. Let's read the Thyatira in church age also. I will put your name, <clears throat> none of the burden, rather the word, notice this burden, this is amazing. The word for burden is weight or pressure. So the pressure of the dark ages is either bend or be broken, bow or die. It was the inquisition. 
the power of the empire backing up satanic worship be organized or pay with your life. Each age had its pressures. For example, a great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches, soft living, and nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. What a contrast between the world that we are going to and the world that we are currently in. Now, most of us would probably not consider ourselves rich. Yet in reality, by many of the countries that I've been in the world, every person here today is a rich person. You know, one of the downsides to being able to afford to buy the house we want, the car we want, the clothes we want, this and that and the other, is most people then stop praying about buying. So they just do what they can sensibly figure out and pay the payment. Well, if I want it, I can afford it, I buy it. Whenever we wasn't where we could do that, we tend to pray more. Well, Lord, you know, should I or should I not? Lord, should I do this? Should I do that? But the more ability then that we have, we depend upon our own selves. Is that right? You see, this is where we fit right in this age here. For example, a great burden of the last age is the pressure of riches, soft living, and nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. Let's bow our heads together. Truly, Lord Jesus, we are a blessed people to live in this day. We are under the contrast, we know, of the dimension that we're in and the dimension that we are of. We pray today that you would help us, Father, as we endeavor to look into your word. May we be benefited, blessed by our gathering together. Lord, I personally do not want just surface blessings. I don't want just feelings, emotions, all that's good, we love all of that. But I want something, Lord, that will change me. Something that will bring me closer to that image of what you've ordained me to be, Father. I don't believe you've called me just to be a survivor in this age, to just have a mere existence. But I want to be what you want me to be. Nothing more, nothing less. I desire to walk into that completed image of what you have of me. I pray each person here today would be granted the same thing. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. The world we're from and the world we're going to has no tension, no pressure, no sickness, no heartache, no trouble, no crying, no dying, no loneliness. That's the world we're of. And that's the world we're going to. But that's certainly not the world we're in today. Each of us know by the life that we live, being illuminated by the power of God, and we know it's only Him that can help us to do that, that the more consecrated we become to the Lord Jesus, it seems the more tension seems to build in and around our lives. We have the tension of the world that we live in, and we're living among a bunch of crazy people. Our whole world is groping in insanity. That's right. And we know that even many Christians suffer so much 
with the tension and the pressure, the mental pressure, the psychological pressure, all that goes with this age, every one of us feel it every day. Our young people, can you imagine? There's young people in this assembly that have gone through more uh, being 15, 16, 17, 18 years old than what some of us went through when we were 30 and 40. Because each age it intensifies and the pressure turns up quicker and earlier and it causes such a buildup in the lives of individuals. And people have got more now than they've ever had as far as more things. We drive nicer cars, for the most part live in nicer homes and maybe you wear nicer clothes and all that. And has it really brought us more lasting peace? Has it brought us more of a satisfaction? We have more, but it requires more time to take care of the more things that we have. And it requires more insurance, and it requires more upkeep, and it requires more time to think about it. I wonder if we were more happy. My goodness, I remember whenever Harry and I was young, and whenever we would actually get something for Christmas, and we might get a toy, and we might get a little something, another, you know, in a day or two. Mom and Daddy was poor, of course. They could only buy very cheap things. In a day or two, that racetrack or whatever it was that we got, it was pretty much wore out because we played it wide open and within two or three days it was gone or we'd make a little toy we used to make go-karts and we'd take old wheels that I'd find in a junkyard or whatever more and take a 20 penny nail that I'd pull out of barn out of a barn and then I'd straighten it out and we'd bend it over and make an axle some of y'all look at me like I'm from the 1800s but yet we had so much fun and so much enjoyment and now our kids live in an age of absolute boredom. They don't, if they don't have a video game in their hand, if they don't have an iPad, an iPod, an iThis, or a Droid, they don't know what to do. They're so bored and they've got to have this game and that game and that game and that game. Somebody say amen. And you think you're helping them by buying them board games? You need to take them out and take a walk through the woods with them. See if they can identify that flower and that grass and that tree. Teach them what life is really all about. Instead of spoiling them and Satan's Eden with Satan's gadgets and Satan's ideology. Come on now, saints. Well, let me tell you something. Some of you adults are just as addicted to your cell phone as what some of these kids are. You know every notification, you've got a ding for this and a bell for this and a whistle for that and a bump for this and a vibration for that and you can't stand it. Some of you nearly die a thousand deaths when you ding and bump and buzz and rattle and rock and roll when it's in your pocket and you're in church and you're scared I'm going to look at you and you won't reach down there and get it and you can't wait till you walk out them back doors to pull that thing out there and get your fix well praise the Lord is it a blessing sure it can be a blessing I call it a necessary curse oh my goodness does it help us it does but outweighing all the other I'm still undecided about all of that 
But what does it do? With the convenience comes more stress. With the opportunity of riches and the opportunity of living in one of the most blessed nations on the earth comes more pressure. And yet we have people that don't know how to cope with it. So really if it was the poor that was under the most stress, there shouldn't be any rich that are committing suicide. If it was only the rich and famous that had the deepest peace and the greatest satisfaction, it should be only them that really has the joy, the lasting peace, right? It should be all the poor people that are taking their lives. But you and I both know that is not the truth of it. As a matter of fact, movie stars and rich people and people in the great corporate world, they find themselves not being able to cope in the age that we live in. They make all these six-figure salaries and even more. They should be the happiest people on the earth. They can drive a Bentley. They can eat all kinds of great high-dollar foods and wear thousands of dollars of shoes and this and that and the other. It's not that, my brother, sister, that will ever bring peace inside of a hungry, thirsty soul. There's only one thing that can bring peace, and that is the Lord Jesus. Now, we're talking about going to our new home. And oh, I wish it was so that every child of God was ready so we could leave this place today. I've got plans for October. I've got plans for November. I'm working on my schedule, my itinerary, you know, for here and there and there and next year in different places around the world. But there is no plan, no schedule, no meeting, nothing that I have said from here on out that to me has more value than the rapture of the church of the living God. And I want to live. I want to plan as if though I'll be around another 10 or 15 years or 20, whatever more. But I want to live every day of my life as if though the next five seconds my heart could beat. It lasts me. I do not want anything between me and my Lord. I want no unbelief. I want no hard feelings. I want no cares of Laodicea. I want no riches laid upon me. I want absolutely nothing between me and my Lord because I've come too far to look back. I've come too far. I've looked through too many things. There's nothing this world has for me that I will trade off where I am in Christ Jesus today. I hope you feel the same way. But until I get to the place and you get to the place that we are able to transcend this world of mortality and move into that eternal realm which we have just read about and we are allowed to literally walk up and partake of that tree, literally walk into the gates of paradise as the angels of God bow down before us, I want to reflect the very fruit of the supernatural tree that is living itself out of our lives today. I want to also have a testimony that my soul has already walked through the gates of paradise through the atonement of the blood of the Lord Jesus I want to reflect that I am a new creature in Christ Jesus you feel the same way Now, in dealing with that, then the world we are in, it is full of horror, it is full of death, it is full of scientific research, it is full of politics. Oh, man, they get worse every day, don't they? It's absolutely our world, our nation, it's becoming to where there's only one thing left, and that is the coming of the Lord Jesus. 
That's right, politics has gone to the dogs. The churches have gone to the dogs. Well, praise the Lord. But I'm so glad there's an elect people on the face of the earth today that are holding up their heads. They're holding up their heads, standing on the revealed word of God behind the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus. And they're walking the walk. They're talking the talk. And they're acting like they should act because they are heaven-bound creatures. How does that mean in saying all of the above? That we are free from stress and trouble? Not hardly. As a matter of fact, we have more stress than all the rest of the world does put together. Because we have the stress and the tension and the pressure of the world that presses from without. We have our families that creates all kinds of things within themselves. On our job, the workplace, all of that. Then here you are, you're beneath this gigantic pipe which is standing above you. You cannot see it, but supernaturally it is there. So all the power of God, all the blessing of God, all the peace of God, all the great things of God are right above you in this pipe. And the prophet said, here we are standing under the bottom of that pipe. And all of this tension and pressure that's building up from the heavenlies, that's looking for an outlet out of that pipe into human hearts. And here you are under the bottom of that pressure. So you're pressed this way, hell pressures you up this way, and heaven's pressing down this way. Look around, my brother sister you are living in a time of great pressure there's a pressure that comes with serving God there's pressure in going to a church to where the preacher don't let you get by with just doing anything and everything you want to do there's no pressure in going to a church where you got a preacher that's more concerned about his salary than it is you living right or going to heaven or going to hell you know, they just want to make church a social event. Well, I'll have a cup of hot co- co- coffee and roast a hot dog and eat tater chips and hand out moon pies. And then we'll all have a good time of fellowship. You know, I'll write a good old cup of coffee and we'll talk about the races and we'll talk about the NFL and we'll talk about baseball. And well, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. Well, we'll, we'll just go to church and have a great big social time. I'm afraid if you come here today without in mind, you're really going to be disappointed. I'm not here to talk about baseball, basketball, football. I'm not here to hand you out a Starbucks coffee. We're not here to say sugar or salt or marshmallows or a latte, frappe, mape, dipe, whatever you want to do. No, I don't specialize in lattes. I don't specialize in frost on top. I specialize in swords. I specialize in God called It's called to preach the word. But keep in mind, it don't just cut you. It cuts me as well. And what does that cause? That causes you as believers more pressure. Because you said under ministry, as we heard last night from Brother Joe, a ministry that puts more pressure on us. Does it not? Because God knows the right kind of pressure is actually good for us. Now I know you may not agree with me, but tension is actually a blessing. We'll get to that. Notice in Psalms 55, 4. David said, my heart is sore pains within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. 
And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then would I fly away and be at rest. What is David wanting to do? He's wanting to get away from all this stress and pressure and tension. I said, what in the world did he have to be under stress about? Well, one thing, he had a whole bunch of wives. And out of all them wives, he had a whole bunch of kids. And all them boy kids wanted to be king. Well, there's only one throne and you got hundreds of boys. How's that going to work out? And you got all them wives and all them wanting attention. Dear Lord, I cannot imagine. I love my wife. I thank God for her. I'll tell you one thing I wouldn't take nothing in the world for, but I wouldn't give you a dime for another dozen. Because we don't believe nor practice polygamy. Right. God made one man and one woman in the Garden of Eden, and that's the way God joined them together. Can you imagine trying to divulge and give of yourself 12 ways or 10 ways or 500 ways or 1,000 ways? Can you imagine the stress and the difficulty and David feeling all of that and he becomes so overwhelmed with the kingdom, with all the things going wrong, some people not getting fed, other people complaining about the taxes, this going on and that going. He said, oh, I just wish I had the wings of a dove and I could fly away. Hang up, David. I'm with you right behind you, buddy. Of course, he'd look around and see me, and then some of y'all be behind me, and before long, somebody would be behind him and say, Why well, even leave? You troublemakers follow me over here to the wilderness. So if you're flying away, you better not tell nobody where you're going. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then for would I fly away and be at rest lows. Then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness Salah. What's he looking for? A place to get away from the stress. A place to get away from the pressure. Why? Because this world that David was in, what would the man say today? I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Psalm 61, 1. To the chief musician upon Nikina, a psalm of David, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. I love this psalm here. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, praise God. Isn't it amazing that David knew where to go, but he needed to be led. When my heart is overwhelmed, look at the meaning of this word, to turn aside, to envelop oneself, to be feeble, be faint, grow weak. So what was going on with David? We're talking about a great man. A man after God's own heart. You think that does not come with a price? People think being elected by God and selected by God's choice as being the firstborn of the bride, being the wife of the Logos, you think that does not exact a great price on you? You're under pressure every hour. Am I pleasing my Lord? Have I messed up some way? And when troubles come your way, you say, oh God, are you punishing me? Have I missed you somehow, God? Is something going wrong in my life? It creates more pressure. Some of the women in Tri-Cities today, before they went to their church, they felt such stress, 
such pressure. They weren't sure which miniskirt to wear. Which pump high heels. And they got one false eyelash on and the other one flushed down the sink. And they couldn't decide which mascara to wear. That's real stress, isn't it? See, sisters, I'm preaching you stress-free. You don't have to worry about your mascara. You don't have to worry about your false eyelash falling in the toilet. You don't have to worry about it falling in the sink. You don't have to worry about which miniskirt to wear because you ain't going to have none in your closet. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. From the end of the earth, so I cry to thee, when my heart is. Notice, now David is a man who loves God, but he's a sensible man. He knows that there will be times that will come upon him in spite of everything he does, that his heart is going to be overwhelmed. How many knows your heart will be overwhelmed? Oh, it's foolish of a, no, 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 never me, brother Don. I love God with all of my heart. You didn't love him anymore than David did. That God would say such things about him, but yet David knew. He had already been through it. There's things that comes upon me that's beyond my control. I don't know what to do. And you know as well as I do, much of our tension and pressure arises from those that we are affiliated with, but yet we can't control. I can control me. can tell me what to watch I can tell me what to look at on my phone and I can tell you but it don't mean you'll do it so when you don't do it then you not doing it affects me you say what's that got to do with you I'm your shepherd and I love you and I want to help you well praise the Lord so what does it create more tension more pressure And a lot of folks, it builds and it builds like a hot water heater and the thermostat gets stuck and their pop-off valve don't pop off. Now, you know, that's why your hot water heater has that built in because on the occasion, it will stick. And if that thing sticks, if there's not a pop-off valve to release it, you'll go back home and you won't have no house. That thing would have blown up, caught on fire, and burnt your house down. So thank God for a little simple pop-off valve. Well, some folks, you know, the way they look at it, Dollywood is their pop-off valve. It's another Dollywood weekend. Brother Donnie's out of town. Oh, I just feel... Oh, I just feel so stress-free when I'm riding on those rides and getting wet. And I'm going to Splice Country. Well, you're here, brother. You're in Splice Country today. <laughs> oh, I had such a good time last weekend. Let's go back this way. Well, well, don't you think it might be, might be missing a little bit too much, church? Oh, Brother Donnie's just so cranky. He's one of them old-time people that believes you got to go to church. Amen. Yeah, I, I still believe that. I'm still the same guy that God sent me up here over 30 years ago. When some of you people left your homes and your families and your jobs, and some of you used to believe the same thing. 
But some of y'all don't believe that no more, do you? You think you can get by by going once a week or maybe stretching it out twice a week. According to the word of God, if you live here and you can be in the house of God, if you don't, you're going to be held accountable for every service you miss. What's the air set on this morning? Oh, my. And what's it do? Create more stress. Tension. And then people go to looking for outlets. Okay. Oh. Oh. We've got to go somewhere. We've got to do something. Oh, God. Oh, it's just. I feel sorry for folks. And the very place they ought to go is the very place Satan tells them, you don't need to go. If you go to more church, you know what he's going to do. He's going to preach on you and it's going to be a lot more pressure. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Brother Joe, you got any more notes left, buddy? Maybe you can come up Notice David said from the end of the earth a lot crying to thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me. But friends, this is part of our problem. We don't think we need to be led. But this man was saying when I get to that place. Why? Because when we get overwhelmed, we get to where we can't make the right decisions and the right choices. So we need to be led. And if you won't follow the leading of a man of God led by the Holy Ghost, you will not follow the Word of God. Don't worry, Satan will have somebody that'll lead you. There'll be somebody out there that'll lead you away from the Word. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all pray for me and I'll go on. Notice in verse 3, this is why David wanted to be led to the rock. He said, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Psalms 142.2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knowest my path. In the way wherein I walked, they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord. Oh, Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. Amen. Thou shalt deal bountifully with me. At least a man knew where to go. Notice in Psalms 143.3, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. Yeah. 
He has made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Oh, what a state of depression, Brother Gene. That David, now when we think David was the guy that just run around and shouted all the time and sung happy songs. But here's a side of David, my brother, sister, that shows us the great singer, the great psalmist of Israel. Probably was one of the men on the earth that understood darkness to its greatest depth. Not the depth of sin I'm talking about, but feeling like God has forsaken you. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. Praise God. So now Brother Terry ain't singing. Well, he ain't killing the Philistine. He ain't feeling any slang around. Now he's dealing with sadness, depression, oppression, sorrow, tension, pressure. You see, friends, we've done a great, 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 great discredit to David and men like him. And even men in our day that we feel like steps on clouds and lives on clouds all the time. Oh, my. Just absolutely never goes through anything. That is not the truth. Notice this. Brother Bram says it this way. The hour is pressing. The darkness is settling. The end time is here. One minute before midnight, the presence of the enemy, the shaking, the feeling, the nervous condition, the tension of the world, and not knowing that that's your doom. They feel it. The great powers feel it. That's why they're spending more and more money on trying to come up with bombs and planes and submarines that can outdo the Russians. No matter what they ever make, Russia will destroy this nation. Listen to this. All God's people need to go to that juniper tree. Now he's talking about Elijah. It's a place where he was so discouraged He didn't know what to do, so he ran out to himself and got under the juniper tree. Many of us feel like going there. And today when we see the institutions filled with people of God. Are are people of God exempt from mental institutions and hospitals? No. Come on, saints. Are people of God, are are they exempt from dealing with bipolar conditions or schizophrenia or different types of, and I know that we, you know, in our our society, we look down on all of that and we keep all that hid. We don't want nobody to know we're on medication for this or that. I don't want them to know it. Don't worry, they're on a different brand than you. I'm the pastor of both of you. We act like we're so high and mighty. 
we're exempts from stress. Why don't you quit lying and be like all the rest of us? The thing is, there's a way to deal with it. Go to the rock. <laughs> I'm not against taking medicine now. Sometimes people have to take it for various things, nervousness and whatever more. I don't think God wants us to have our crutch to be built upon medical science and so many things that affect our behavior. You've got to be careful with them drugs you take that change your behavior. Well, go ahead and preach, Brother Donnie. If you need it for a while to get you through something, that's one thing. To become a permanent thing that you're dependent on pain pills and dependent on this and that and the other. Oh, my. We still believe God is a healer around here. We believe that God can move for our bodies just like he can move for our souls if we'll let him. But it's easier to grab a pain pill bottle or a Tylenol or something else than it is to have faith in his word. Jesus. Notice he says, we're living in a neurotic age. Nervous tension. Everybody's racing here and going there and going nowhere. You know how that is. They will run slap over you to get around you. And they beat you to the stoplight at 0.5 seconds. And then you ease up right by them and look over at them and smile. Oh, some of y'all been there and done that, have you? Everybody's racing here and going there and going nowhere. It's just kind of an age. I know this church would be plagued with it. This church, Random Tabernacle, is plagued with that tension. Well, what about Happy Valley? What about Living Word? What about all these other churches? If you're a human, you are. Oh, my. Notice he said, I know this church will be plagued with it as everywhere is plagued with it. The tabernacle is plagued with it. Everywhere, the whole world. It's a day of pressure. Hurry, 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 hurry. Up and wait. Drive 90 miles an hour there to get home for supper and wait two hours till it gets ready. And we go to Walmart and we want the closest parking lot to the front door and then take a two mile hike to our cul-de-sac for exercise. We're nuts! Go ahead and take that spot on down a quarter of a mile. It'll take some of you off your cul-de-sac tour in the afternoon. But you know how people are? They will run over you to get a parking spot the closest to the door. Friends, I'm not trying to be funny this morning. I'm trying to help you see where we are. And I'm trying to point to you, we as the people of God, don't stop relying on the natural things around us. We're going to find ourselves insane. God don't want you dependent upon this world for your pleasure. God don't want you depending on this world for our deep satisfaction. He wants that spot. It would pray more, read our Bible more, attend meetings and be more spiritual. Amen. 
If y'all see me on the side of the road tomorrow begging for food, you'll know I got fired. You're just one voice, though. I know you're for me. <laughs> Notice he said it's the time. Now, friends, if this is 1962, what would he say in 2019? And in that rushing and speeding, it gets you to a nervous tension. The wife says something a little contrary and you want to fly off temper. Husband say a little something and you'll pat your foot and tell him to get in the room. Well now husband, I don't want no words with you. Get out of here. Wife, so I'm so nervous. See what? What's the matter? Now of course that don't happen to none of you all. But there's some sorry outfits that listen to these services. So I'm saying that for all of them, shame on you people who stream in that do that. You have to make my poor little innocent sheepies bare because you all do stuff that ain't right. Notice he said all this together, this tension building up. Then the results of it is doing something wrong and acting out of place. That's right. Now it'll make the poor act that way. It'll make the middle class act that way. It'll make the rich act that way. It'll make the wrong act that way. It'll make the pretty good act that way. It'll make the good. He covered everybody. You see, this is one thing that Satan has found that works straight across the board. Smoking won't. Alcohol won't. Drugs won't. Stress will. Tension. Pressure. Because it's tension. Steam built up. And you got to blow it out somewhere. See, if you don't blow... If you don't, you'll blow the baller up. And you see right here is where a lot of us blow out. Now we find it builds up as the day goes and you talk to your boss if you're working oh so and so if you speak to the kitty come on in here mama see where it's at it builds up oh my you feel like your head's gonna come off. I love this quote. I said I love this quote. Anybody ever felt like your head was gonna come off? Some of you felt like your head is gone. Although I said, that's why you're not raising your hand. He's already missing. You blowed it for 40 years ago, right? Thank God for a prophet, friends, that'll lay it out to us. And he's not just putting it out there in the world and putting it out there in the foolish virgin churches, but he placed it right in his own church. There is a pressure that comes with this message like none other.
from a medical perspective. Nervous tension is capable of disorganizing the entire digestive system to an alarming degree and frequently inhibits both assimilation and elimination. It affects the brain, the spine, and the various nerve plexus. Repressed or restricted forces are bottled up only to explode later in some sort of emotional outburst, sex debauch, disease, or worse still, mental unbalance. Can't you see for Christians that would never touch a cigarette and never touch a fifth of whiskey, that never take an alcoholic beverage? Satan don't have to use that on them. All he's got to do is make their life so tense and under such pressure. This is why our homes ought to be a little heaven on earth. But the sad part about it is some message phone homes are as bad as the workplace. Some message home, they come home, the husband come in from work, you know, the kids doing this and the wife doing that and they're not disagreeing on that or a husband that don't come home from work, whichever way that it is. Come on now, saints. And instead of having a castle, a heavenly castle, a little miniature heaven on the earth where the husband can come in and let off the pressure him and his wife and children talk about the good things of God. The kids are playing the television or they're on a video game or they're back here and over there and the wife's on the phone talking 90 miles an hour and the man, well, I wish somebody would have church with me this morning. Don't you understand why Satan wants your home tore up? God don't want the church to be the only place you let off pressure. He wants your home to be a place that when you come in, it can be your little haven. Nervous tension immediately tightens every muscle and nerve in the body and restricts normal action and free rhythmic flow of the various circulations. It holds the poisons in the body, preventing their exudation and their presence creates more poisons. God so designed us that our body would be able to eliminate it. But tension and stress tightens up our body and keep our own body's poisons in us. And then we create more poisons. Why? Because we can't let off the pressure. It can be from a mother-in-law. Now, from this point on, for a little bit, no amens necessary. Uh, No batting of the eyes, no pointing of the fingers. and uh, That's fine, you know, just you can remain totally silent and anonymous if you want. It can be a mother-in-law. It can be a father-in-law. It can be a husband, a wife, a son, or a daughter, an uncle, a cousin, a second cousin, a third cousin, a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. It can be your dog. It can be your cat. It can be your water bill, it can be your sewer bill, it can be your electric bill, it can be your car, it can be your tire, it can be your blood pressure. Need I go on? And then your body just tenses up. And your body's trying to get rid of the poisons. But it says, let me go, let me go. And you say, no, I can't. I'm so tight. I feel like I'm wound up tight on an eight-day clock. Don't you laugh at me? 
You better sit down before I mash your mouth. I'm going to smack you in the face. And they probably will. So you better sit down. And yet we are the happiest people on the earth. We've got the most to be thankful for and the most to be grateful for. Well, we need to let ourselves know these things. Just don't make it a good quote. Make it a rule to live by every day of our lives. Can I go on a little bit farther? It prohibits by constriction the circulation of fluids, ethers, air or gases through the tiny conduits so delicately and marvelously constructed to convey these forceful elements. So God making the body through which all these things would flow through and tension and stress just cranks the pipe down. And it builds and builds and builds. When we permit ourselves to get into a state of tense nervousness or nervous tension, we are only half alive. But the reason some of you will not, will not ever live any higher than this is because you blame it on the age you're in, the tension out here, all of that, and you let that dictate to you the way you ought to live. I'm not saying it's not here. I mean, I think I've covered that pretty well, haven't I? And, and, and admitted it is here, it's everywhere. But the Holy Ghost within us is supposed to be our refuge. Ooh. The nerves hold fast, resist, and cannot report correctly. So here your body is going through all this tension and stress and the nerves cannot send to the neurons and the transmitters in the brain. They cannot emit the right signal so your body don't know what to do. It don't know where to release dopamine, cortisol, cortisone. It don't know what to release because the messages are so mixed because of you're so nervous. Oh, I just feel like I'm losing my mind and going crazy. And they're not making that up. The brain emits dopamine, then it emits cortisol, and then it emits cortisol, and then it emits, and all these emotions and things are going through. You just, oh God, I can't take another day like this. They cannot report correctly because they're in a state that makes them incapable of adjustment to vibratory rates. Everything becomes distorted, colored with fear. Anxiety or apprehension. Wow, this sounds like the way I felt before I come out to preach this morning. (laughs) The nerves can neither receive nor send nervograms. Don't think you're the first one to start texting. God made your body so it would send and receive messages. And when you're under such tension, then your nerves cannot transmit or receive or send nervograms, text, if you will. They're sending the text to your brain, to your circular system. All this is going on inside of you. And the message wound up in cyberspace and it wound up over here in the big toe when it should have went to the head. And it wound up down there in your back part of your leg when it went and went to the heart. Why? Your nervograms are all programmed. 
and they're overprogrammed and all stressed out. The nerves can neither receive nor send nervograms easily or dependably are no sense true indicators of facts. This condition also upsets emotional impressions both coming and going. So if your emotions are all upset and you're not sure if you're coming or going, guess what? You won't know if you're coming or going. For nerve force is both interactive and reactive. Hence, when it's tense in body, we become tensed in mind. When the brain is subjected to nervous tension, either through action or reaction, we can neither think, reason, nor remember. For the mind cannot function adequately through a disordered vehicle. I ain't talking about people smoking marijuana. I ain't talking about people so drunk that they don't know where they are. I'm talking about the average Laodicean who lets stress control their lives. I'm talking about you and you and you and you. Christians. Oh my goodness. Brother Bram said that's the way it is today. There's something inside of people that lets them know something is fixing to happen. We know it. The Christian knows it, the world knows it, the drunkard knows it, the gambler knows it, the businessman, the government, the UN, all of them, because it's something fixing to happen and it builds tension. Knowing something is going to happen builds tension. Speaking of tension, I was praying about it this morning. What would you do if you didn't have tension? Just think of it. Tension is a part of living. That kind of encouragement. Now, he didn't say that it all the way did, but it kind of did. It kind of encouraged me a little bit, too. Now, I can't say that it always convinced me, you know, but it did kind of. Now, don't sit there and look at me funny. Hey, the prophet of God said it that way. It kind of encouraged me. It kind of encouraged me when I thought that if you had no tension, you'd be like a rag doll. You wouldn't have no feelings. There'd be nothing to work on like a husband and wife. Maybe if she wants to do something and they're trying to work together, especially Christians, and the other one wants, well, then when you come together, you find out what she's done, and then the tension really brings you closer together. Somebody tells you, well, just think what that little wife went through under a lot of tension when you wasn't so good, or the husband went into some tension when you wasn't so good. Then when it's all forgiven, look how you feel about it. See, you've got to have tension. Some people try to introduce Christianity that you're free from worry. You're not. You're free from tension. Oh, no. You add tension when you become a Christian. Now, let him tell you what you were before you got saved. Because you was a slop go. Slop go. Happy go lucky. So you was a slop eating hog. Just let me honest. Say amen. That's what we were. Not caring what you did. But when you become a real Christian, every moment 
You're wondering, am I pleasing my Lord? If I could hear from him. Notice this. If I could hear from him. If I could hear from him. And not hearing from him sometimes when we feel we so desperately need it only adds more tension. Oh my. It puts you on tension. It puts you on guard. That's what makes you what you are. So after all, get your shouting shoes ready, saints. Now, if y'all was going to write down your blessings today before you come to church, would this one make the list? Really? So what would have been number one? Well, hopefully you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost, your wife's saved, your family's saved, you know the important things, and then you keep on narrowing it down, well, the bills are paid this month, and this is going good, we've got a good church to go to, we've got a good pastor, well, I'll question about that, let's mark out one out there. Well, uh, we got a good song leader, and we got some really good musicians, and we got some good deacon brothers, and uh, the Lord, Lord, it feeds us when we're hungry, and the Lord helps us, and on and on and on and on and on. I wonder if any of us here today would have written down tension has been one of our blessings. Well, in the morning when you make your list, you can. Now, will you is another thing. Tension is a blessing. It's just the way you're looking at it. Okay, okay, I, I agree to this. I'll say amen to what Brother Brown said, but I need the way I'm looking at it apparently to be changed because the way I'm looking at it it doesn't look like that it's a blessing to me come on I'm going to be honest with you a lot of the tension and a lot of the stress that I go through the same with you if you'll be honest and say amen you don't look at it and say oh praise God you go home the wife say how was the day glory to God I've never been so stressed out in my life I've been blessed all day long it started before work ever even started the wheel fell off the car the spark plug jumped out on the other side a dog run in front of me and then when I got the flat fix a deer running in front of me down the road I've been so stressed hallelujah but I am so blessed now I know friends you go into the Bible bookstore and you look into different places and you find the logos and the t-shirts and all this that and other too blessed to be stressed and one way that's a half truth because they are trying to insert into Christianity that if you are really blessed, you have no stress. That is not according to the word of God. Now, can you get to a place to where you learn how to manage the stress because you've received an understanding that you are blessed by it? Then you can be able to look at it. But to put it in the point that, well, I'm so blessed, I ain't got time to be stressed. If you're a Christian, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be stressed in Laodicea. You're going to be stressed going to church. You're going to be stressed sharing the word. You're going to be stressed thinking, God, am I pleasing you? Lord, why haven't you spoke something to me? Lord, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? It creates more stress. Oh, my. Tension is a blessing. It's just the way you're looking at it. It's just the way you're looking at it. Oh, apparently I needed to hear that twice. Oh, my. And then the third time, it's just the way you're looking at it. 
See, if you look to the other side, no matter how thin you slice anything, it's got two sides here, you see. So tension, I think, what's this tension if it had been born without this tension? Well, if I would have been, notice this now how he comes about bringing him to God. I wouldn't have been what I am. I wouldn't have been a Christian, perhaps. It was this tension that drove me to Jesus Christ. So it's been a blessing thing to me. So then as Paul said, I saw he had his tension or something or another, and he consulted the Lord to take it away from him three times. And the Lord said, Saul, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Then he said, then I will glory in my infirmities. When I am weak, then I am strong. And as long as it's in the will of God, all right. I consulted him one time. When it used to bother me so bad, it scared me. And he told me about eight or ten years ago, he said, it'll never scare you again. And it never has did it, no sir. Don't worry about it. I feel it. I know it's there. I just go on because it don't scare me no more. So thankful for that. Now notice this next line. Now he could have said, it won't be no more just as well as that. You won't be scared no more. Now God could have said, now Brother Random, you're, you're a faithful servant, you're, you're a good son. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to eliminate this stress out of your life. He could have said that if he wanted to. But instead he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to take the scare of the stress and the tension away from you. So you'll feel it. You'll feel the pressure. You'll feel it as you're going through it. But it won't scare you. So if it's his will that it happened, so I just embrace it and say, You remember the story about Brother Doug McHugh's when Brother Branham saw him out there in the vision in Arizona? And he said, did the Lord show you visions out here, Brother Branham? He said, yes, Brother McHugh's, but I come here to get away from it. So I, I didn't mean to bother you. He said, no, you didn't bother me. That, that's all I did. I just, I just come out here to rest. Then in a few seconds, he turns around and said, the reason you said that was the doctor that's been doctoring your eye. I see him standing there and he described the glasses that he had on. And Brother Doug has told me this story himself. I see the glasses that he had on, describes him to him, said, Mr. McHugh's, I've doctored your eye for two years. That infection in your eye, he said, it's going to put out your sight. And he said another thing. Your mother, before you come out on this hunting trip, your mother raised up her skirt and pulled up her stocking and said, showed you her foot and said, honey, if you see Brother Branham, tell him to pray for these. And she had little tumors hanging between her toes. And he said, but thus saith the Lord. You're healed. Now, in just a few minutes, the angels of the Lord come down. This is on Mount Sunset. And the blast went off and cut the tops of the trees off. Now, many of you have been there and seen how that, the, that that is still there, or that come down. When Brother Branham, after this event happens, 
A little later in the same day, goes to Brother Doug and tells him this. You've got a stomach trouble. It'll bother you the rest of your life. I've been with him in Kenya. I've been with him in different places in the United States, hunted with him, stayed with him, preached for him. Never put on a pair of pants without tums in that pocket. About the time we think we get God figured out, he goes and does something that we just don't understand. Couldn't the same God who healed his eyes, Brother Jim, tell him, your stomach trouble is gone. Let's stand. Let me read you another quote here. Who do you say this is? Look at the world today, why attention the whole world lives in. You go down the street, it's not even safe to drive. It's not safe to be on a four-lane highway. Everybody's at attention, snapping. What's the matter? Quieting down. Where are you going? That's what's making the insane institution fill up. What's got the church in such a turmoil? They're so head-bound on a certain thing. They won't stop and consider God's Word in the hour that we're living. All under a strain and tension. 80% of drivers exhibit some type of road rage. which don't speak good for the congregation this size. <laughs> Unless, of course, you all are the 20%. <laughs> of drivers, did you see it? Just in the last, last three weeks since I studied this and, and, and found this and put it together, I couldn't believe how much in Carter County people arrested, people run off the road, somebody drawed a gun on somebody right here in Carter County. 80% of drivers exhibit some type of road rage. An alarming 8 million act upon their road rage, causing harm to people and vehicles. Men exhibit signs of road rage more than women. Sisters, you can... Where men really surpass women, however, is in the extreme road rage category. Men are three times as likely to get out of their car and fight the other driver. Now, I know you take it for granted going to the grocery store and going to Walmart. <laughs> I wonder if we should start praying. God, watch over me and my baby. Say, friend, you never know what that person beside you is carrying. They may be carrying a pistol. They may be carrying an AK-47. You never know what they're carrying. And if you don't get out of their way, they can run slap over you. Why? It's the age we're living. Don't you understand? When you get in a fit of rage, of temper, you're just a degree away from insanity. You are losing your mind in the fit of temper. Every year, around 30,000 people die in car crashes in spite of safer vehicles, traffic laws designed to protect drivers, passengers, and pedestrians alike. As it turns out, no safety system in the world can protect you from an aggressive 
driver. Possibly linked to two-thirds of all traffic fatalities. Driving over to Brother Tim Hume's meeting this week, I saw it on the interstate, flashing signs about aggressive driving, being a disease, having lead foot, they said, is a treatable disease. Now you imagine on our interstates, trying to calm people down. Our government is trying to pass laws to calm people down. Oh my. 50% of drivers who are subjected now some of you all, don't you understand I've been preaching y'all for a long time and you cannot hide your guilt. <laughs> How some of y'all were able to smile and blush at the same time, it absolutely amazes me. <laughs> 50% of drivers who are subjected to aggressive driving behavior on the road respond with aggression of their own. Thus, risking a more serious confrontation. No hands raised, please. But what about you, honestly? When people cut you off. Or people give certain suggestive signs with their hands. You're going to tell me, poor old thing. God bless their heart. They've been so stressed. I Look, friends, we're humans. Uh-oh, I said, uh-oh. Children, I hate I have to end my report this way. But it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The stress in the world. The stress in your job. Sometimes the stress in your family because of individuals you can't control. Stress in our church. Do we have stressful situations in our church? We do. We have people that are real desperate need, desperate need healing from God. And we have people who need to be converted. We have people who need all different kinds of things. That creates a stress among us. Brother Ram said in the last night of a meeting when he would come into the place, he said there was such a stress in the building. It would be so thick you could feel it because the people was under such anticipation. I just marvel when I read that last week, Brother Dale, because he said the anticipation of the people created such stress. They knew it would be their last night to get something from the Lord. And it created such a stress. Many times when you come in here, your needs are so great and you're in such desperation. It creates such a stress. I pick it up. I feel it at home. I feel it back down in the office. And it puts more stress on me. It creates more pressure on the man of God standing in the pulpit, me or whoever it is. Because you feel that stress and you want so hard for them to be helped. I don't want you to just come to church here and leave the same way you are. I don't want it to be church as usual. I want you to be helped. I want you to be delivered. I want you to be set free. 
We have a place, friends. Christ Jesus. And then those benefits that he gives to us. Church, family, home, friends. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if you would. I realize today this has not been a deep, great revelatory sermon as we would call it. But I trust that minister to us in the world that we're living. I wonder before we pray, is there any or how many that say, God, I need help just living under the pressure, the tension, the stress of this age in my business, in my home, in our church life, every area of our life, Lord. We need help. Can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, I pray today as I bring this congregation of people before you. As their pastor, I might know bits and pieces of their lives and bits and pieces of what they go through. But Lord, you know the very depth and the degree of their pain and suffering. The stress, Father, that they go through. The pressure that builds around them. Now, Lord, after hearing this today, we know that it would be unwise for us to pray that all stress and pressure and tension would be forever driven away from our life. But we believe we are safe in asking for these things. That when the stress comes and the tension and the pressure comes, that you'll give us grace. Hallelujah. Make it so real to our hearts, Father, that your strength is made perfect in our weakness, Lord. And that we have a place where we can go to let off the pressure. Oh, you don't get angry at us, Father. I don't believe and we will take vacations and go here and there as long as it's not sinful and wrong. Whenever we have certain things that we do, hobbies, as long as they're not sinful and we don't let them absorb all of our time. Brother Branham's hobby was hand loading and target shooting. and He enjoyed doing that. It rested him, relaxed him. Yet because he was so particular, it created such a tension that when he missed a squirrel at 50 yards without shooting it in the eye, it created such tension. So, Father, we know no matter what we do outside of you, it cannot bring that lasting peace and joy. No wonder Satan wants us to get us so busy that we don't take time to read our Bibles, and take time to pray. We put other things in front of church and other things in front of fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters that can minister to us strength. Forgive us, Lord. Help us today, I pray, Father. Lord, we all, if we would be honest today, we would say that could we have chosen our life. I will open myself and make myself vulnerable before them today, Lord. And I will say openly, had you given me my choice to be whatever I wanted to be in life, 
I would have never been a preacher. I would have never been, even if I would have wanted to have been a preacher, I would have never been one that would have been called on to travel overseas and go to conventions and here and there and there. If it would have been my choice and I had to be a preacher, I would have just chose to have a church somewhere and have brother friends to come by and we just love one another and preach the gospel and go to heaven. All the stress and the strain that goes with our position, Father, whether it's a preacher or a mother or a father, just a child of God living in this age. I tell you today before them, Father, I cannot deal with it on my own. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. The stress and the strain, Lord, of knowing I'm going to have to answer for their souls that day. Knowing, Lord God, that there are people from around the world who stream our services and many of them that do not have a church to go to and they look to here as being their home church. And if I preach anything wrong, I'll have to answer. Lord, it puts me under such stress and such strain. Then, Lord, when I have to preach hard, Lord, then I get under more stress and strain. Father, Friday night there in the service and the direction that you led me to go, and Lord, it was not a, a sermon to make us all shout and leap for joy and rejoice, but Lord, more solemn, more heart-searching. Yet, Father, I was under such tension and such stress, walking back in the office before I come out pacing like a mad dog, God, praying for your help and your mercy. Then, Lord, walking out to the platform and feeling the stress, Lord, so thick you could cut it with a knife. Oh, God. But then the emails, the texts, the phone calls. Lord, that I got back. Oh, Lord, about your people suffering and being tried and tested. Lord, that pastor yesterday texted me, Father, about a sister in his church that had lost two babies before birth in less than a year. She was so torn to pieces. But supernaturally, Lord God, you directed me to go down that avenue for just a few moments. And she called her pastor yesterday with that burden lifted from her soul. Oh, Lord God, help us, Jesus. We have a place we can go, Lord, to let off the pressure. In Christ Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to let off the pressure with carnal things. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray. We love you, Father, with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You love him, saints? With all your heart, you love him? How many feels like you need to learn more and more how to let off that pressure in the presence of God? We'll always have it, friends. It'll always be there, the tension, the stress. Our bodies will react the same way. Oh, I know we sing, you know, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood flows through my veins. That's not true in the sense of natural biology. When you received the Lord Jesus, you did not receive a blood transfusion. 
The blood in you is of your father. That's where it comes from, your earthly father. Our nerves are like other people's nerves. Our brain, our blood pressure, it's just like other people. We're not exempt from such things. But we have found a place that we can go to that they don't have. Psychiatric wards and pills and ups and downs and this and that and the other. It cannot satisfy Brother Terry. But that blessed rock. You remember the story the prophet tells about the man who had the dream. And the hounds of hell are after him. And in the dream, it's strange, but Brother Bram repeated the dream as the man told it. And in the dream, this man was a rabbit. And he's running, running. And the hounds of hell are after him. And they're getting closer, Brother Randy, and closer and closer. And he's getting so much more afraid and fearful. You know how it can be in dreams. You ever have dreams and they scare you? And in the dream, the man is getting so afraid and he sees a rock up in front of him with a place, amen. There was a hole in the rock. And right almost at the time that the hounds of hell was about to get this man, he was able to run inside the cleft of that rock and hide and let off the pressure. Let me point you today, friends. We don't have a creed. We don't have a dogma. We do not have a doctrine. We are not interested here in leading people to William Branham for their salvation. If you believe Brother Branham can save you, you today are lost. Brother Branham needed saving himself. He was a man sent from God. A man sent from God, not God. We're not here to point you to Happy Valley Church. We're not here to point you to any ministry. We're here to point you to the same rock that David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, somebody lead me. Somebody help me get to the rock that is higher than I. Praise God. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship a bit before we go? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Peace. Hallelujah. Oh, let the Holy Ghost move right down your avenue this morning. Let him minister to your heart. You feel that stress, that tension, that pressure of the age. Maybe it's in your family, Only your work. in you I am safe. I'm safe, Lord. Only in you I am secure. Only in you I find peace. So cover.
Just like he 
Blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We run to you today on this service. Oh, great rock. Hallelujah, in the day of stress and trouble and pressure, we run to you. Church is our little isolated place. The merging together of heaven and earth. The merging together of time and eternity. The merging together, oh hallelujah, of who we are presently and who we are in the world to come. Here we can confide. Here we can hear. 
Here we can trust. Here we can open our beings and let the supernatural God minister to us. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Can we just raise our hands in the shelter of this rock while we're here today? Let him just minister strength, courage, healing. May the peace of God, the same one who spoke to the waves that night when the boat was being tossed about in such a tumultuous way, and the disciples said, don't you even care that we're going to perish? He woke up as a man and rubbed the sleep from his eyes, still tired. Hallelujah. But he pulled back his shoulders and put his foot on the bow of the ship. He spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace. Be still. The wind knew its master, and the waves knew the voice of its creator. Sometimes we know in our lives he speaks to the wind. Sometimes he speaks to the waves. And there's other times he speaks to us. And just says, child, I'm with you. Fear not. Praise God. I'm going to bring you through this trial. I'm not going to move this child out of the way, but I am going to walk with you. And when you look back and see that one set of foot footprints, keep reminded, those footprints weren't yours. They were mine carrying you through that trial. Amen. Praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I wish somebody would help me just praise him a little before we go. Praise be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We exalt your blessed name, the name which is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We worship you today, O oh God. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.